Alrighty, we are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it is episode number 474. How are you, everybody? Uh, Brianna, what's going on? How's Atlanta? Atlanta's good. It's been super hot this week. Uh, you know, we are in uh, what I like to call a, uh, you know, two to three panty day because you just are sweating that much. You've got to change all your clothes multiple times. Uh, but it's good. I mean, you know, we are just figuring things out uh, or not. But, um, you know, I'm still here to report on the news. That, that's <laughs> there the you important go. thing. How are you? Uh, we're okay. It's It actually cooled down finally here. We, we were like going crazy with the heat. Um, we got a little bit of a pretty big thunderstorm that came through. It was like one of these like just in and out in an hour, but like torrential rain cleared out the humidity. And now we're just back to the sort of regular, like, you know, 85 um, and, and humidity's out, but apparently it's going to be back on the weekend again. So we'll be in the hot uh, heat again, but the good news is baseball starting, right? So we, yeah, you know, we get to, we get to watch some baseball this weekend. So that's good. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah, just gotta wait to hear where your Blue Jays end up, right? Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea yeah. where they're gonna play at this point. Her rumors are Pittsburgh, so we'll see. All right. We'll see. Hopefully, there's an announcement soon since they start Friday. Yeah, so. I bet their families are pretty anxious to hear that too. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, we've got a good show for you this week. Uh, no guests this week. Uh, we'll be back with that next week, but we do have four really interesting stories. A lot of brands doing interesting things. And we'll start right in the heart of Atlanta with Aubriana and her people um, to kick it off. My people. Uh, yeah, so Coca-Cola is, uh, you know, they're adjusting to things from a consumer behavior perspective. Uh, people don't want to touch things. People want, uh, you know, something that's a little bit more seamless to bypass any germ sharing right now. And Coca-Cola is kind of on top of that with their freestyle um, machines and the app. So, I mean, many of you have seen these machines. They're in a lot of restaurants like Five Guys and uh, Firehouse Subs. And uh, you can just go in and customize your drinks. And um, they actually have an app as well. You know, I'm sure it doesn't have like mass adoption, but you can save your preferences on there. But now what they've done is they've allowed you to just scan a QR code from your phone without downloading an app. You can just easily go ahead and use your phone to, um, you know, order exactly what it is that you want uh, without touching the screen or anything. And so you can kind of bypass touching something that has like lots of, you know, maybe germs on it. Um, and it's pretty interesting. So if you do have the freestyle app, you can still use that and, you know, upload like your favorite mixes or whatever. I don't know what you used to call them, but growing up, like when you mixed all the flavors together, we called that suicide. But uh, anyways, it's probably, maybe they've come up with a better name for it. That would be more appropriate now. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, this is pretty interesting. They've been testing it out and I mentioned five guys and firehouse and then some Wendy's locations here in Atlanta and they want to roll it out. They have about 10,000, I think, freestyle machines across the U S and so, you know, as the summer continues rolling it out to all those locations and probably just updating the software so that people can engage with those machines and those other locations. Um, but yeah, I think this is just another example of, you know, trying to take advantage of how consumer behavior is shifting 
and how can you provide you know more value to the end consumer and probably maybe get more data in return i don't know um but yeah i think this is you know this is a good move from coca-cola and i mean it's interesting because obviously you have to be inside the restaurant in order to do this right so you have to have some level of comfort in actually going in to a dine-in facility or even if you're just taking out um but yeah you know i think like i always think about minimizing touch points so again if you can use apple pay or you know something that is touchless versus having to input your credit card information and sign a screen and all of that i think that's a better option so this again is just another one of those ways that you can avoid sharing germs and touching a screen <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, uh, so I'm with you. I think this is a good move for for Coke and the freestyle um, team in particular. Um, we've talked a lot about sort of, you know, exactly what you just said on the payment side, you know, sort of everybody, uh, you know, trying to implement, uh, you know, tap or touch free, you know, sort of uh, payments in some form or fashion. And I think this is, you know, very much in the same line of, you know, what COVID is driving is is technology adoption. I think the one thing that is is really interesting to me, if you remember, you know, a couple of years ago, we covered, you know, a few stories about how much QR codes were being used in China and, and in some of those markets and how it kind of disappeared, you know, from kind of the North American scene. And here we are now, you know, 2020 brought on by COVID, the resurgence, the massive resurgence, in fact, of the QR code. Um, it's everywhere now. Um, you know, whether it's to drive payment transactions or it's to facilitate mixing your, your beverage drink, or, you know, it's to collect information for contact tracing purposes or whatever the case might be, the QR is everywhere again. And, um, so I think, uh, if you're in that business, you know, you're doing well, uh, um, right now because, um, there's just such a demand for scanning things, tapping things, you know, sort of just going completely touch-free. Um, and we're seeing this even in the, you know, in the digital signage side of things as well. A lot of uh, movement there. Um, I've been talking to some of our colleagues in that part of the world and just, you know, everybody's kind of moving towards, you know, either a QR or some sort of, you know, tap type of NFC transaction or something like that. So good for Coke, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, take a page out of that book and kind of go with it because I think it's a good move. All right. Shifting gears now, we'll go over to uh, our friends in uh, in Seattle, Amazon, and uh, we, we've talked a lot about the Amazon Go stores over the last number of years and this sort of idea of their cashierless checkout um, type of store environment, no people there, and so they've put the Go technology into a shopping cart now. Uh, Interestingly enough, it's called the Amazon Dash Cart, and I thought it was interesting because, you know, for a long time we talked about Amazon Dash, which were these buttons that you could put into your house, you know, by your washing machine if you needed to order more Tide or you need a new rate, more razor blades, you tap the Gillette button or whatever the case might be, and that stuff gets put into your basket and you order. And they kind of uh, disbanded the Dash program, and now here Dash, the name anyways, appears again as part of their uh, uh, shopping cart technology. So it's the same idea as the store. It's a, you know that idea of just walk out um, type of technology. So you fill up your shopping cart with stuff 
and the cart basically measures, weighs, counts, you know, does all the things that you would expect it to do. When you're ready to check out, you just go through the exit, mash, uh, uh, that sort of labeled the dash cart lane, and so you go through that. There's sensors there that identify the cart, and the payment is processed to your card uh, that you have on file with Amazon. So I think kind of interesting. Um, and so here, here's where I think this could go, though. I think it's more, to me, it's more than just, hey, we've got this technology uh, in the shopping cart now, and there's a lane here. What I think would be really interesting is not just to have this like in a um, Amazon store environment or what have you, a Whole Foods, let's say, but like think about Walmarts, think about any, any other kind of store like that about some sort of dedicated checkout lane, express checkout like that, where you know this type of technology was available. And what would be even better, I think, would be really interesting is if that was uh, available for your premium loyalty members, express checkout. Um, like to me, that's really interesting because it's like all of a sudden, like, you know, I shop a lot here at Walmart or shop a lot at Target or shop a lot at whatever, you know, I'm here all the time. I'm spending a lot of money with you. Why do I have to line up the same as everybody else um, who's here, you know, once a month, um, let's just say. So, you know, how can you put a, a premium on that? How can you give me additional value, treat me differently? One way to do that would be this kind of uh, technology implemented in that environment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this um, this type of technology has a lot of opportunity. So um, not only from a convenience standpoint, right, uh, saving consumers time when they check out, but back to our previous story where now you are, you know, there's less uh, interaction, right? I mean, whenever I go now to the grocery store, you know, we all wear a mask, we have to, you know, we push our card up and then you wait till the cashier is ready and everything's bagged and put in your cart before you even approach and pay so that the minute there's minimal time where you're close together. So, you know, something like this just minimizes all of that interaction um, altogether. And the fact that you could just, you know, walk out in essence with everything already bagged and ready to go, it saves you time. So if you can start to do those things like within your cart and you do it yourself, you get things done the way you want. You don't have to necessarily wait in line. I think there's a lot of perks and I like the idea of there being a loyalty play involved um, or something that's, you know, it's like your Sky Miles medallion and like, do you get to get on board first and do you get to get through quicker? So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I am excited to see if other, you know, big, shopping uh stores you know or mega stores will start to follow suit with this i mean they've we've seen most of the stores put in self-checkout now and how that's helped people move through a little quicker especially when you have less items or you just want to bag it and do it yourself uh, and i don't think this is any different so yeah so there you go yeah okay um what do we got now oh yeah you've got a, another good story <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is interesting. I have like mixed feelings on on something like this. And, uh, you know, you will understand why being a Canadian who has different type of health care than we do here in the States. But Walgreens has decided to now get into primary care facilities. They will be opening um, hundreds of primary care clinics in the coming years. 
they have reached a deal with a company called Village MD, which um, is a primary care provider. It employs over 2,000 physicians um, and serves patients. It has a bunch of freestanding clinics, and now they're going to recruit an additional 3,600 primary care physicians um, through this partnership with Walgreens. So they're going to staff and operate 500 to 700 um, different clinics uh, in 30 U.S. markets. Um, they haven't specified which locations or which cities they'll be rolling out first, but the clinics are going to be, you know, ranging in size depending on the actual location. You might have some that are around 3,000 square feet all the way up to like 9,000 square feet, um, and they have over 18,000 locations. So, you know, I think the idea for them of being convenient and having the ability to just, you know, we've seen this with some other uh, healthcare providers here in the U.S., uh, Kaiser Permanente, for example, has their own locations, and then they usually have their own pharmacy within those locations as well. And this is sort of streamlining everything where you would have, you know, the pharmacy and the physicians all right there together, uh, which from a convenience factor is nice. Um, you know, we've seen other companies look at things like this where we saw CVS acquired um, Aetna, which is a huge insurance provider. Uh, it's actually the nation's third lar largest health insurer here in the US, and that was a $69 billion deal in 2018. So, you know, this isn't necessarily new, but this is more on blending that retail and um, healthcare as well. And, um, you know, Walgreens is going to invest a billion dollars in equity and debt in Village MD over the next three years. And then at the end of that period, they're going to claim 30% ownership of Village MD. So to me, I mean, I think from the convenience of having things in one location, it's a great idea. Um, I think that, however, having this to me conflates and makes our healthcare even more problematic here, where you start to combine the data and the information you have about a retail consumer alongside of that health information that you have. And as much as they want to say maybe that, you know, there's a, a, a paper wall up in between the two things, I'm not really sure that that will stand. Um, and I think that like we also have a lot of challenges here within our healthcare system as it is, but bringing in uh, you know, somebody that is clearly driven. I mean, we know that the insurance companies are also, pro you know, for profit. So all of these things that drive profits to me just present potential challenges uh, in terms of actually putting consumers first and patients first. Um, but, you know, I think that there's some interesting stuff that's here as well. I don't know. We'll see how, how things pan out, right? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting move. I think, you know, from a profit and a business perspective, I think it's it's probably a good move for Walgreens to kind of get into this space. Um, you know, I think about it here in Canada, you know, obviously, as you pointed out, we have a completely different medical system. But, you know, we do have, you know, the sort of pharmacists on site, you know, in the in the stores, we now have also you know in some cases you know most of these um, pharmacy uh, stores are in uh, building complexes as it is here in Canada where there's already you know a series of different types of doctors and and whatnot medical clinics and and different things that are co-located around that they're just not physically like inside of the actual store but they're they're right next door or right above or you know whatever um, so that's quite common here. Um, 
The other thing is, is I'm thinking about kind of the emerging medical cannabis market um, up here, and we're starting to see a lot of that push into the into the um, you know pharmacies as well, where there's you know consultation going on, you know people who are knowledgeable about certain products and CBD and those kinds of things, in the actual stores, you know doing education and that type of stuff as well. So yeah, I, I mean I, I think that's sort of the, the trend where the industry is going overall, right? Is this idea of sort of care, education, and products sort of all in the same place. Um, I'm with you though. I think there is risk here in the US right. market when it's all about profit. Um, and, um, you know, is there an incentive to potentially, um, you know, have people, you know, write prescriptions that aren't necessary, you know, driving more product, more, sale more profit i don't know right i mean who knows but um you know uh I'll, I'll look at it on the surface and say from a walgreens perspective from a business point of view i think this is a good move uh you know 30 percent you know equity stake in village md you know when this is all said and done a billion dollar investment yeah i mean it's it's a big deal right um and uh, it's interesting because like as you pointed out cvs with with uh with Aetna on the insurance side, like you don't see, well, I guess they're all one company now anyways, aren't they, right? Walgreens and CVS and, right? So, yeah, anyways. Right, no, well, no, there's still, Walgreens bought Rite Aid and then there's CVS. So they're two separate. Oh. Okay, all right. Yeah. There you go. Anyhow, so let's see. We'll see how it plays out uh, over the next little while in terms of uh, when these open up and what they look like. Hopefully you'll have one in Atlanta. You can go visit and give us the whole story. So. All right. Our final story for this week, completely shifting out of that world and into food. Um, and now we're going to talk about Shake Shack. Um, so first of all, are you a Shake Shack fan? You know what? I What's kind of funny is that like I have never been a burger eater okay. like for my entire life. But then I got pregnant and then I somehow decided I wanted to have a cheeseburger. And so um, I ate Shake Shack and I do like it. And I like their milkshakes too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. Like I, I obviously, uh, we don't have that here. Uh, and I've been to, I think I've been twice to a Shake Shack now in, when I've been in New York. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic burger, um, you know, and uh unlike a lot of the other fast food places like you can get a beer with your burger or whatever at a shake shack um and so on so like that's good um and um yeah so anyhow so they're you know trying to deal with covid like everybody else and so they've come up with an interesting uh, uh program here 40 percent of their dining rooms they say are completely shuttered uh because of covid um and so they're rolling out what they're calling a summer camp in a box uh, program. So, you know, kids obviously, you know, at this time of year would be going to all kinds of summer camps and day camps and whatnot. And so they decided, hey, you know, we, we, we should do something about this because kids aren't, you know, able to go out and do what they would normally do. So they put a six week program together, uh, family friendly activities. Uh, so, and it costs $79. It's a shake camp box and include supplies for making your own lemonade stand, telling ghost stories around the campfire, making crafts, throwing a field day, building ice cream sundaes, getting involved in your local community. 
It also includes $75 in Shake Shack promotions, coupons, and things like that, I guess, including free burgers uh, and stuff you can redeem online on the brand's app or website. Um, so I think it's pretty creative. I think, hey, they're trying to do something to give the kids things to do. And at the same time, they're driving traffic to their site um, and, you know, getting people to, I guess, order, you know, and have, you know, takeout or food uh, delivered. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's, you know, helping keep the things, keep things moving at Shake Shack as well. Um, yeah. And then each week's suggested activity is demonstrated on their Instagram channel as well. So there's like sort of, you know, explainer videos, I guess, and things like that on whatever the, the craft or the activity is uh, over the course of the six weeks. So I think it's pretty fun. I don't know if I, if I live there, I would be like trying to sign up for this and check it out. I'm definitely going to check this out, but I, and I think that it's great. You know what? I do think that this time in shutdown and uh, you know, all of our behavior changing has forced so many companies to be more creative and connect with their consumers and, um, and provide more value beyond maybe what they have traditionally done. So going beyond just food uh, to maybe more experiences. And I think that that's a great thing for them to be pushing. Maybe they can come up with like a homeschool box because I'm in for that, uh, like science projects, you know, <laughs> anything they can give me curriculum wise and idea wise to keep things moving as, you know, we try to navigate what's going on in this coming school year is awesome. So I think it's a great idea. And I like that they are also giving coupons because obviously driving people back to uh, being able to kind of like spend that money with them for their, you know, primary offering, I think is the most important thing. So tying those values together, I think is great. Yeah. And you guys have Shake Shack in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. We have a few. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Come on, uh, bring it up here. Bring it to Toronto, man. It's a big market. We can use one. Uh, I'll be the first one in line. There you go. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's our show for this week. Uh, four interesting uh, stories. There are some interesting brands doing some cool things. And uh, you've been listening to episode number 474 of Location Weekly. And of course, uh, we'll be back with another show next week and a guest. But in the meantime, if you have feedback, reach out to us, story ideas, let us know, um, comments, stars, likes, whatever. Um, you know, we like all that stuff. So, um, you know, find us on one of the social media channels. If you're watching the video, it's available at the end of the show. And uh, have a great week, everybody. And, um, you know, go Blue Jays, go. Happy baseball season, all that kind of stuff. So there you go. Bye, everyone. Bye.